Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to Everyday Truth. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, We're in the middle of a very dramatic story in the Bible, a story of how uh, Jesus can help anybody, and he can save anybody, and he can change any situation. Uh, That's exciting. Hey, I want to show you this uh, postcard I I just got the other day in the mail uh, from listeners Karen Brown. Uh, Karen is a local here, and Karen, you are one of the most encouraging people I know. She always has an upbeat spirit, and she sent me this postcard uh, from just down the road from us is the Shenandoah uh, Mountains and the trails. One of the most beautiful spots on earth is just the Shenandoah Valley right near us here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, about an hour away. She says she loves she, I love, love, love the podcasts. By the way, Karen, you have some of the most amazing handwriting. I mean, they ought to create a font with your handwriting because it's beautiful. And uh, you also shared, I love this, you're going to become a Grammy, uh, grandma, Grammy for the first time coming in May. That is exciting. There is no better life than the grandparent life. So, Karen, I'm excited for you. Thanks for sharing the postcard, and thanks for listening most of all. Uh, we are in Mark chapter 5, and we're, we're talking about this man. Uh, there were two, but specifically this man that ran out of these tombs uh, the moment Jesus landed on shore. Now, you talk about a great storm the night before. We're seeing a great storm right now, aren't we? Uh, Sometimes the storm is out there, but sometimes the storm is in here. And so Jesus calmed the storm out there, and there was a great calm. And what we're about to see is that Jesus is going to calm the storm in here that's raging in this man's life. And just as Jesus had authority over the elements, the wind and the waves— So he's going to have authority over the demons in this man's life that's causing the great storm in his life. Look at verse number six. The man is is crying. He's cutting himself. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Interesting. He runs to Jesus and in a spirit of prostrate, submission, worships Jesus, verse number seven, and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. What an odd thing for this man to say. But what we're going to learn is it's not the man at all. The man is possessed of devils, and the de- the demonic world does not deny the existence of God. No, they're well aware of the unseen world. They're well aware of where the real battlefield is. Uh, they they know there's a God. Now they don't they don't submit to Him. Uh, they're enemies of His. But these demons they certainly understand the identity of the Son of God. And they understand the jeopardy that they're in right now. 
Look at verse number eight. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So chronologically, Jesus said, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And verse seven was kind of the answer to that. Don't torment me, thou uh, the son of the most high God. So Jesus has already given a word of authority in this man's life regarding the, the unclean spirit inside of him. And watch verse number nine. And he asked him, what is thy name? So Jesus looks at the man and says, what is thy name? But there's something deeper here. It's not just the man whose lips are moving. It's not just the man out of, who, out of whose vocal cords these sounds are coming. No, there, there's something animating him. And so when Jesus says, what is thy name? He answered, and sa- he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now that's a, that's a disconcerting thing, is it not? Can you imagine being there that day? Maybe some of those disciples that are uh, the bystanders watching this. We are legion, for we are many. So a Roman legion could have up to 6,000 soldiers. Think about that. So, uh, and that doesn't mean that there's an exact number of demons, but it means that this man has now, his life has been possessed of not one, but many devils, and they are controlling him. And as we saw last episode, destroying his life. Uh, They are causing him to have self-loathing behavior, cutting himself, crying out. He's isolated. Now they've given him power. He's able to break these fetters and break these chains. But power for what? Uh, Power not for any uh, real productive purpose. When the Lord gives us power, it's power to serve. It's power for the gospel. It's power for good. But when the devil gives power, it's power for destruction. It's power for evil. It's power to hurt. And that's what we're finding here. So when Jesus asks his name, the demons submissively and honestly say, we are legion for we are many. Now, verse number 10, and he besought him much. I mean, this is begging. This is pleading. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now, there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Now, these devils, they, they had a good gig going. They wanted to stay. They wanted to inhabit. They didn't want to be expelled. And so they're pleading. They're pleading for mercy from Jesus, not, not pleading uh, for asking for forgiveness or not that they could. But the point here is that they understand authority and they want to stay where they are. Now the Bible gives us a a, a broader panorama of the scene around them. Because the Bible says in verse 11 that there were nigh unto them in the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. So apparently uh, it's possible for even an animal to be possessed of a devil. That's a, that's a that's quite a thought. Now I I want to give you some cat jokes right now, but I'm I'm thinking about some of my listeners that love cats, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say, it, but I want to say it. Okay, but the Bible says here, send us into the swine that we may enter into them, and forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. So Jesus gave them permission. Now now, does that seem odd to you? That wh- why would Jesus kind of make a deal with the devil? 
Why would Jesus give permission to these demons to go where they wanted to go? It just doesn't seem like that would be logical, does it? But, but follow the story, and I'll give you, I think, a good reason why Jesus did this. So the Bible says he gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. But then watch what happens. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. I've been at this spot. Uh, they've, they've drowned in the sea. They were choked in the sea. Verse number 14, and they that fed the swine fled. So the shepherds or the, I don't know if you call swine people shepherds, but people watching the swine, they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that, what it was that was done. So why would Jesus have allowed these demons to go into the swine? I think for two reasons. Number one, the fact that these swine then ran down into the sea was a tremendous demonstrable um, proof that these demons had been destroyed. So in, in, in common Jewish conception back in those days, there were three portals to, uh, to, to Hades, uh, the sea, the desert, and then Jerusalem, and specifically the Valley of Hinnom and Jerusalem. These were portals to Hades. So think about it. Can the disciples that were there, can they see uh, un, unseen spirits? Of course not. They're invisible. So by allowing the, the devils to go into the swine and then the swine running into the sea, that was a physical, visible illustration to the disciples that Jesus had power over those demons. So there's a good reason why Jesus allowed them to go in. Secondly, those swine were being raised by these townspeople of Gadara. And now their entire livelihood was destroyed. And they ran back to the town to tell everybody while well, something big has happened. Now, they could care less what happened to that maniac. They've already expelled him from their town. But what happened to their swine, they really care about that. So this entire story about the swine is an attention getter, is it not? Both to the disciples that this had actually happened, demons had been expelled, and to the townspeople that some great power has come. Got, got it? Now, let's finish up the story real quickly because we're running out of time. Verse number 15, and they come to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil. He had been possessed with the devil Watch this. He had the legion. He was sitting. He was clothed and in his right mind. He was no longer naked, cutting himself and crazy. No, he was seated. He was clothed. He, he was in his right mind. What a great description of, of salvation. What does salvation do? It affects us spiritually. It affects us socially. It affects us physically. You know, this man now, he's not running about. He's seated. He's calm. He has peace. He's clothed. He's no longer naked. He's no longer living in this shameful condition. He's in his right mind. He's been changed from the inside out. And there was a great storm, but now there's a great calm. These townspeople see that. That must have had a, uh, an impact upon them to see they couldn't control him. They couldn't even restrain him. But now in the presence of Jesus, 
He is a new man. Look at verse number 15. Uh, They were afraid. Afraid of the man? Of course not. But afraid because a greater power has come. Well, we couldn't control him. This power that has uh, caused these pigs to run into the sea, this power that has entered into this man has expelled this great power that they had seen, a power that could break chains, a power that could, but now a greater power. They were afraid. They don't know exactly how to figure this out. Verse number 16, and they that saw it told them how it befell to them that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. So they heard the story. They began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. No, instead of seeing the wonder-working, saving, healing power, spiritual power of Jesus, they just said, no, we don't want, just get out. We can't explain this. Leave. That's a wrong response to the power of the Lord, is it not? And look at verse number, in other words, they were more concerned about losing their business than they were about gaining the saving power of Christ. Uh, such is the case with many. They, they don't want to, they look at salvation as something that they're going to lose instead of all the good that they're going to gain. Look at verse number uh, 18. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed of the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He had no place else to go. This man had been saved. This man had been healed. This man had the devils expelled. Uh, May I go with you? I want to stay with you, Jesus. What What a great and right response. Boy, as we are saved as Christ makes a difference in our life, there ought to be an immediate desire in our life to be with him. He made the difference. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. You know, all to him, I owe, right? Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. But I owe him my life. I want to be with him. This is a right desire. Verse number 19, I love it where Jesus suffered him not, said, no, no, this is not my plan for you. Rather, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. No, I've got a greater cause for you. Instead of spending this time with me, you go back to your friends. You tell them what I did in your life. And that's what Jesus wants for all changed people to do. The woman at the well, Andrew there in the desert when he found Peter, this maniac of Gadara, you and me, has your life been changed? Go tell the people in your circle of influence. Now, I love the response, and we're done, but look at verse number 20. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. So Jesus didn't say where to go. He said, go home to your friends. He allowed the the maniac, the former maniac, to define what home was. Now, he could have narrowed it and said, well, I'm just going to tell my brother. I'm going to tell my parents. I'm going to tell the people in my household. I'm going to tell my little town. But he didn't do that. He went to the farthest expanse he could go. He went to all the cities of Decapolis, and he published, he proclaimed, he publicly shared all that Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. What a great story. I wish I could say so much more about it. I'll leave that to your own meditation. But uh, wow, the power of Jesus to change one life and then the power of Jesus in that one life to testify to so many others about what Jesus can do for them. We're going to come back to Decapolis 
in just a while. And when we do, we're gonna see that this man made a difference, but you're gonna to have to wait until we get there in Mark chapter six to talk about that. Hope you have a great day today. Thanks for listening. God bless my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it